This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom software for budgeting and planning by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education. Welcome to CBO Speaks, the official podcast of the National Association of College and University Business Officers. I'm President and CEO Susan Wheeler Johnston, and I'd like to thank you for tuning in today. Our mission for this podcast is to ask chief business officers to reflect on their careers, share personal examples of the ways they have navigated challenging situations, and offer some lessons that they've learned from their experience as a CBO. You can find resources for today's episode, as well as a wide variety of research and tools at nakubo.org. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to CBO Speaks. Thanks for being here today. My name is Megan Strand, your host, and I'm very excited to be joined today by Susan Scroggins, Senior Vice President for Finance at Valparaiso University in Indiana. Welcome, Susan. Thank you, Megan, and thank you for the invitation to speak to you today. Well, we're going to jump right into some hard questions today, Susan. So would you start off by telling us what issue you think will most impact the way colleges and universities conduct business in the next 10 years? Okay, that's a big one. Um, And I think I've got actually two responses there, if you'll permit me. Absolutely. Um, I think the bigger the bigger one would be uh, the demographic trends, uh, particularly in the Midwest and the Northeast. Um, as the number of high school seniors declines, we're likely to see great, uh, really great pressures on our smaller institutions, uh, particularly and and particularly those that have, you know, smaller um, endowments to sort of help them uh, through the storm. Um, Instance, I think institutions who are tuition dependent will be increasingly challenged to bring in the net tuition revenues that they have uh, brought in previously. We'll likely see more merger and acquisition activity, perhaps more movement to private college systems. Um, institutions are going to need to leverage whatever assets they have to grow um, and diversify revenue streams, I think, um, whether that's through fundraising or uh, leveraging underutilized facil- facilities. You know, we're just going to have to think differently. Um, I think there's really going to be, and there already are, uh, frankly, focused efforts on uh, creating greater efficiencies, uh, trying to right-size to match the reality of the enrollment trends that are here now and are likely to to fall going forward. So I think we just all need to be prepared uh, for the, what those demographics are going to mean to our institution. Um, I think, of course, I'm speaking from a private college perspective, and I know that there are, you know, our public institutions have um, additional challenges in terms of state support and 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 whatnot. So that's the first, uh, probably, and the most overarching, I think, um, thing that will will impact the way we conduct business in the next 10 years. I think we also can't ignore technology um, and the need to use current technologies and meet expectations that our students have um, in meeting those expectations in terms of ease of access, time to completion. I think that's true on both the undergraduate and graduate levels. Um, and, you know, it, it, it sounds trite, I suppose, but, you know, the pace of 
of the change of technology just it changes so quickly and we're just going to have to um, just really focus on our opportunities there as well. So buckle your seatbelts, folks, because there's a lot coming down the pike um, and we need the technologies and the resources to rise to the occasion. Is that what I'm hearing you say? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Exactly. Well, let's talk a little bit about, um, speaking of preparation, how do you think current CBOs can best prepare or develop the next generation of higher education leadership, particularly when you think about the growing desire to diversify the field? Uh, another a great question. So, and we absolutely do need to build that pipeline. Uh, the CBO pipeline, the president pipeline, the provost pipeline, as all the boomers start to retire in those key leadership um, roles, um, it's, it's increasingly important, I think, to place an emphasis on building that pipeline. So, in, in when we think about diversity, um, just important to seek out diverse individuals, whether, you know, it's diversity of thought, um, ethnicity, um, whatever, and just listen and encourage and promote people of promise. Um, they really, every, it's around us everywhere. We just need to listen and, and, and seek out uh, those diverse uh, points of view. I would also um, encourage um, those that might be thinking to get into higher education leadership, uh, to participate in programs that prepare, prepare us for those positions. Um, I think specifically in terms of bringing women into um, higher ed, the CBO position, there are many women's leadership programs out there. Uh, Kakubo started one this year. Um, I know each of the other regional associations has a women's leadership um, opportunity. So definitely there. Um, and then I'll put a plug here for Nakubo, um, which has a couple of fantastic programs. Um, they have the Future Business Officers Program as well as the Fellows Program. Both of those are wonderful opportunities uh, for those that are seeking to expand their role in higher ed. So, uh, so for us as um, sort of mentors or potential mentors, we need to seek out those uh, diverse thoughts and, and diverse folks. And then those that are interested need to really leverage those opportunities that are there. Anything that you've observed, Susan, as it relates to the next generation, as you're looking to folks that maybe you're mentoring or maybe you have your eye on, anything that you see in that generation that you feel like is really strong or potentially that's missing? Not anything that's missing. I think different. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, we're naturally so, right? So each of our generations had a different, different, grew up in different environments and, and, and um, different circumstances. Stances, certainly. I think that um, the younger folks, especially when we think about, I'll give an example of my granddaughter, right? So she walked into my office last year and looked at my telephone that was sitting on my desk and said <laughs> to me, Nana, can I try that? Right. So this is, <laughs> this upcoming generation has, you know, you know, she was born the year the iPhone came out. So, mm. um, I don't think that there's anything lacking. I think that every it, it, there, it, uh, just the technology focus is something that we're all needing to navigate and collaborate on um, going forward. That that's the thing that comes top of mind to me. I'll be honest. I think that um, in my own shop back at uh, Valpo, we have um, a, a seasoned set of uh, folks that are in our office. I have not been exposed personally uh, to working with a millennial. Um, or an X, a, a Gen Xer. So, um, I, uh, 
some of what I share um, is in um, collaboration with others, other CBOs who who might have um, uh, younger folks in their office. So I'm speaking a little bit, you know, of my own experience, mm-hmm. primarily with a really young Yeah, that's Uh, awesome. That's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Well, let's uh, talk now, not only just just existing CBO listeners, but any listeners who might be considering a CBO role as their next career move. What would you say, Susan, are the top three skills or attributes uh, that are most crucial for CBOs in today's higher ed landscape? Yeah, that's... um, um, Ability to tap to technology would be one. Technology, yep, that's one. <laughs> Technical skills, you know, ensure those are sound, um, you know, the uh, technology, but I'll also say technical skills. So technology and technical skills. Got to ensure that those are sound. Again, you know, leverage all those opportunities that you have to um, increase knowledge base. Um, and I found that CBOs need to know a lot about a lot, right? Um, depending on the position and the institution, you know, CBOs need to know a lot about risk, compliance, audit, tax, human resource, police, um, facilities maintenance, you know, just, just, a, just a, a really um, expanded set of, 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 uh, of knowledge needs to be um, a good basis of uh, a CBO. Uh, and I always advise hiring the very best and brightest that you can when it comes to those technical skills and then sort of get out of their way, right? Build that strong team. But at the end of the day, you as a CBO really need to know enough to gauge the advice and the recommendations that you're hearing from your team. So technical skills for those um, wishing to become a CBO. Um, The other thing, another big one is the collaboration skills, um, particularly in our shared governance environment. that means listening very carefully and very thoughtfully and communicating in a helpful way. I, um, you know, think about many of us who came from outside of higher education, where, and, uh, you know, for me in particular, um, I worked for three uh, very entrepreneurial, um, closely held corporations that when you had an idea, you went to the president or CEO and you said, you know, this is what I want to do. And if they liked it, you went forward and you just did it. Of course, and, you know, you come into higher ed and you're like, the pace is much more slow, you know. <laughs> and so it's for those coming from outside of higher ed, it's, 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 it's an eye opener. But, you know, we always, you know, end up with those likely better decisions at the end of the day. So, again, collaboration is critical, critical in, in higher ed. Um, and then I think I'll add a third thing. Um, I think vision. So the ability to anticipate is the best you can that next big thing. Uh, specifically, I think in higher ed as it relates to student interest and demand and expectation. So, you know, the, the eye to the future and the ability to, you know, read everything, you know, and, and sort of try to anticipate what's what's coming forward. Do you think that vision piece is a uh, more of a crystal ball trait or do you think it's more of a listening trait? I think it's both. So yeah, listening, listen, you know, to colleagues, you know, I'm blessed to be able to to network with, you know, CBOs, uh, you know, regionally and nationally and, you know, listening to what they're seeing and, and what they're hearing, reading, you know, uh, 
the latest um, on, you know, multiple topics, but then, you know, just thinking it through, right? You know, what is, what do you see as a logical next step? Um, reading and or listening to podcasts for, from, um, you know, those that are even thinking about the future too. So I think it's a combination of both. I really do. Okay. Now the most fun question you'll be asked on this show and maybe all day. <laughs> when you think back on your time as a CBO, how long have you been a CBO? Um, well, CBO, uh, four or five years. I actually, when I came to Valpo, I started at a, a, a more entry-level position um, and just worked my way, you know, towards first VP for administration, VP for administration finance, and now senior VP for finance. Got it. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll expand this a little bit for you and say okay. your entire career in higher ed. And if you oh, can okay. think of something as a CBO, great. But tell us about what you'd consider to be your most fabulous failure and what you learned from it. You know, that's a doozy of a question. You're <laughs> Sorry. Right. And, I've been, you know, um, and, you know, honestly, I hope I haven't made it yet. I hope I haven't had that most fabulous fail. Um, I, I certainly um, probably underestimated the time it takes to implement new ideas. So that's naturally, you know, sort of following my previous experience. Um, um, I've likely made a couple of budget misses, and I suppose one that comes to top of mind it would be to, to my failure, frankly, to collaborate. And I made an assumption that I should have um, followed through on a little more closely in terms of the budget. Um, uh, so a budget miss would probably be my most colossal failure to date. Um, but I think you know, you know, we're all human, right? We all make mistakes. And at the end of the day, we need to recognize that, you know, and learn from these. Again, sounds a little trite, but so true. And we need to to remember that. I think as business officers, we place a lot of a lot of um, pressure on ourselves to perform, and, and others place pressure on us to perform too, right? Um, but um, you know, again, I hope there's another doozy out there that I. I <laughs> yet um but i would say that the biggest the failure would would have been the failure to collaborate and 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 then that resulted in a miss and was that more of a communication thing like when you look back on that situation um and think about how you've changed you know how you approach budgets for example now because of that situation was it a communication piece it was and 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 the and the crazy thing is it 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 wasn't a uh, instance where um, I didn't have a good relationship with with somebody. It was I had great relationships and and typically have. Um, but what I think I've learned I learned from that particular instance was um, collaborate and then also verify. Right. So trust but verify. Mm -hmm. So I think mm -hmm. it, the, the big learning from this one too was to. Um, you know, follow up with the data, right? Get the report, get the the hard data, the hard facts, and then with it, with that collaboration, that conversation, sort of work it through. Um, typically, that works out a little better for us. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you for being brave and answering that question, Susan. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> well, I so appreciate you sharing your insights and experience with our listeners today, and thank you for joining us on CBO Speak, Susan. Thank you. 
You can find out more about Susan and today's episode by visiting the conferences and e-learning section, then click podcasts of nakubo.org. Make sure you subscribe to CBO Speaks in Apple Podcasts so that you'll get the latest episodes instantly. And on behalf of Susan and myself, I'd like to thank you so much for joining us for this episode of CBO Speaks. This episode of CBO Speaks is brought to you by Kaufman Hall. Learn about their strategic and financial consulting services and Axiom software for budgeting and planning by visiting kaufmanhall.com forward slash higher education.